African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. This is a very significant historical election. This crisis is still damaging, especially Finnish and European economies very hardly, and that's an important reason to get more and more co- cooperation. And uh, what we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of uh, Tiwonge and uh, Stephen, and also we see Malawi violating its international commitments. Well, the position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting for marine species in particular. African Dialogue, a talk show where we cover anything and everything. Good morning, it's 11 o'clock Central African time and welcome to another interactive installment of African Dialogue. You're listening to us on Channel Africa, your gateway to Africa and the voice of the African Renaissance. I'm back with you, I'm Benjamin Mushatama. You're listening to us here on Channel Africa on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. Well, as we start the program, we usually let you know what's happening today. We're discussing African farming and the opportunities that exist in that particular industry. But uh, before we get into that topic, let's get to the news from Onel Nzinzi. Thank you to Onele there for that news update. You are listening to African Dialogue right here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Time right now is uh, uh, seven minutes past uh, 11 o'clock Central African time. And uh, remember that you can also stream us online if you're far away from your radio sets. Uh, you can do that on www.channelafrica.org. That's www.channelafrica.org. Now let's uh, come into today's uh, topic. You know, anything is bound to happen here on African Dialogue, anything that has to do with uh, the continent of Africa indeed. And today we're looking at African farming. Several leading agricultural organizations and suppliers have lent support to this year's African Farmers Workshop and Expo, which actually ends today at the Johannesburg Expo Center. Now, the expo was an opportunity for the private sector alongside the public sector to be involved in uh, interacting with emerging African farmers. Now, it was also a platform to provide information where governmental organizations are able to present to farmers initiatives which include financing, access to markets and export opportunities. Now, uh, we have a couple of guests in our studios and online to deal with this particular subject. But before I introduce them, uh, let's start with this particular conversation. Let's hear what the Zambian Minister of Agriculture and Livestock, Honorable Wilbur uh, Simusa, had to say during his formal appearance at the workshop and exhibition on Monday. From the outset, I wish to say that I'm here for the, this is the Agri-Business Summit, which brings, you know, different stakeholders and players in the agri-business and agriculture, primarily here in South Africa. Now, um, when I got the invitation to be, you know, to attend, 
I, I felt it was very important because I realized that for agriculture to work and to be successful, you need to interact, you need to um, uh, get input from other people, share experiences, see how others are doing it, so that you compare to what you're doing, uh, in this case, like in Zambia. And I mean, here in South Africa, there are a few success stories, uh, and it's useful to come and learn why the success, how has it been done, and see what we can apply uh, apply back home. Uh, one thing I've learned being Minister of Agriculture is that uh, for this agriculture agenda to work, uh, this agenda that we've identified to be you know, the way to go, everywhere in the world, agriculture is the way to go right now. And in Zambia, we are not left behind in that realization. Now, for this to work, it calls, I think, for for all stakeholders working together. It's not a one-man show or two-man show. It's everybody pulling together. So fora like these are very important where you interact with other stakeholders, the farmers, the manufacturers, researchers, the people with the, mecha- with the, with the machines. That is extremely important. So for me, this offered an opportunity to interact at that level. And learn one or two things which you can apply back home in Zambia, you know, copy and paste and get some results. Let's hear about uh, this copy and test. Maybe maybe, uh, you have an example of one that you can paste in Zambia. For example, the indication I I did mention earlier right now is for more food production. That's what everything leads to. You know, when you look at the world population growing, uh, the crises around us, the weather patterns um, in different countries. The solution now is grow more food, grow more food, grow more food. Now, in Zambia, we are the main step of food is maize. In terms of production, we this year we are hitting 3.3 million metric tons. That's the highest we've ever done. Okay, South Africa, you're talking about figures of 14 million. Now, one of the biggest drivers of that is our productivity. We realize our productivity is low. Per hectare, we are producing, on average, about between two to three tons per hectare of maize. Here in South Africa, you are going between 10 to 12 tons per hectare. Same hectare, okay? In fact, for that 14 million tons that you are producing, you are producing it at half the hectareage that other people produce at. So immediately I see that for me, I'm saying copy and paste, you know, without increasing hectare, without doing anything, just improving the management of that one hectare. I'll triple my, triple my production, would triple our production. And that's exactly what we want. And that's what we're focusing as government. So that's one area where I'm, I have no hesitation to copy and paste. Now, that was the Minister of Agriculture and Livestock in Zambia. Uh, he's the Honorable Wilbur Simusa speaking to my colleague, uh, uh, Sidney Peary. And uh, let me introduce our guests for today in terms of looking at the subject of African farming and looking at what's happening at the African Farmers Workshop Expo as it ends today. We have uh, Simo Villagazi on the line, who is uh, the organizer of the African Farmers Workshop and Expo, as well as Elena Udina, who is a representative for 
or a, or a company titled Agrotech Ukraine, as well as Cindy Sabela, who is a farmer who's taking part in the expo. In our studio, I have uh, uh, Isa Komu, who is a producer of one of our programs here at Channel Africa titled Spotlight Africa. But I want to start with the organizer, Simo, the African Farmers uh, Workshop and Expo ends today. Tell us a little bit more about the issues that you covered and addressed during the expo this year. Well, good morning, sir, and uh, good morning to your guests as well as your listeners. Um, the issues that were covered um, at the at this year's um, um, African Farmers Workshop and Expo really they ranged uh, from um, your typical your, your uh, they range as your typical um, issues or challenges and opportunities that uh, farmers face on a daily basis. Um, one uh, issues of the environment, how the environment affects. Um, their yield um, um, per hectare, as well as uh, ultimately their production in order to, to, to help in addressing food security. Also the issues as well that are so critical to farmers, um, I mentioned especially in South Africa, uh, issues such as uh, the funding opportunities as well as access to market. All those are issues um, as well as you know, keeping your, 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 um, your, your, your produce or your, or your, your produce here is um, 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 disinfected as well as your livestock healthy um, all those issues were are being addressed and uh, today as we conclude as well we have a number of institutions that are attending to those issues and interacting with farmers and networking with farmers but also in all of these conversations um, opportunities are then realized for trade um, amongst farmers with input suppliers as well as export opportunities and uh, Elina is, as well is joining us on the line. Basically, she's one of uh, the companies that were exhibiting at the expo. Tell us a little bit about Agrotech Ukraine, Elina. Good day, everyone, and uh, many thanks for this opportunity, Channel Africa, and uh, for this opportunity to represent our company at African Farmers Expo 2014. So um, my name is Elena, and uh, company comes from the Ukraine, which produces uh, a machine that um, helps the farmers separate the grain and uh, for better uh, planting purposes. So um, it, it uses seedless, aerodynamic uh, uh, a process that separates the grain, and the machine is called Almaz. And um, with that... Um, we can say and have the, the machine has been tested. For instance, if you, um, in terms of seed germination, if you plant um, raw material, unprocessed seeds, um, uh, you would uh, get out about 64% crop productivity. Yet, if you separate with our machine, we would guarantee you 66.7% more uh, crop and more product and quality product. Um, the uh, machine has had uh, quite a huge success in terms of people being interested and want to know more about it. Um, we're very happy with the uh, feedback, and it's been amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, also, let me just uh, touch base with Cindy So as well, who's a farmer who's taking part in, in the expo. Cindy So, welcome to yes. the program. Uh, thank you so much. How are you? Great. Cindy, so how yes. has your experience been at uh, the expo? Uh, have you learned anything new? I heard that Simo was talking about financing, uh, looking at issues of access to markets and export opportunities. Tell us a little bit about your experience, Cindy, so at the expo. Uh, the experience has been really interesting, especially because we cannot m- not move with the times because the technology is, 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 is developing at a very fast rate 
And what I realized that most emerging farmers are still lagging behind, and it's a worry to me looking at, especially in Gauteng, which is the heart of Africa, where you still find people who are not eating as much, as, especially when you talk about good food, who are not eating what is good, what is healthy. So I still believe that with the technology that has been displayed at this expo, with all the technologies, and, 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 and especially in IT and the machine that, uh, that my colleague was talking about, these are the things that we as emerging farmers need to move quickly with it because, I mean, there, there are so many people in Africa to be fed. And there are so few of us who are trying to, to, to make sure that mm. there is good food on the table. So this was a big exposure for me personally, but I feel we still need to reach as many farmers as possible. Fantastic. Now, Simo, as we heard in our clip earlier on, the Zambian Minister of uh, Culture and Livestock, he was referring to a cross-pollination of ideas between African governments. Uh, Do we know what the various African governments and countries are learning from each other regarding farming and the agricultural sector? Uh, I was referring. I was referring to Seymour there. Just bringing the question back to him in terms of what uh, uh, is being learned from a governmental perspective. Seymour, your views there? Um, yeah, there's a there's a range of of um, issues that are, are being raised. You know, from from a, a, a governmental level, especially around policies, because policy unlocks opportunities as well as trade. Um, and therefore, there's been a number of um, things that have been discussed. For example, you have um, a company such as, such as Transnet Freightwell that uh, we have partnered with as well, who actually have um, rail infrastructure cutting across a number of borders across the continent um, that can be able to to um, um, move uh, um, the grain at a faster level than um, um, you would on a, on a road infrastructure. And that, in terms of uh, for for, for um, Farmers to be able to do that, you need the right policy framework, and that is why then we had delegates from 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 um, from Zambia, we had delegates from um, South Africa, um, as well as other um, said partners as well, who were discussing about these various issues because we, we understand that um, our regional trade. Regional trade is of great importance because you can be able to address um, food security at a much faster rate when you have a gathering of all the partners in one area discussing on various issues. Um, more importantly, as well as um, the, 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 the PPECB um, being um, a custodian of trade in South Africa, especially for perishable goods, um, they are here as well in terms of discussing what opportunities or how to unlock opportunities and remove trade barriers amongst um, the, the, the SADC countries especially, but also not ignoring the rest of the continent as well. Um, so those are all the issues that were discussed, uh, issues of trade. That is what we had as well at the Agribusiness Summit where those various issues were tackled in greater detail. Mm. You are listening to uh, African Dialogue right here on Channel Africa, your gateway to Africa and the voice of the African Renaissance. Today we are crossing live to the African Farmers Workshop and Expo and we're looking at African farming and the opportunities that exist in agriculture on the continent. But I want to hear from you, our listener. Do you think enough is done uh, to empower the African farmer? Do you think enough is done to empower the African farmer? Let us know your views by SMSing us on plus two seven eight two. Three three two five nine zero five plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. Don't be shy to interact with us via our Twitter handle. That's at Channel Africa One. That's at Channel Africa One. We'll be back after this short break.
This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja. Informing the world about Africa, Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Benjamin Mushatama. Time right now is 21 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. And today we are looking at African farming on the continent, looking at the opportunities and some of the challenges that exist in the industry. And uh, let us know your views, as I asked you earlier on. Is enough being done to empower the African farmer? Plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. And we have guests on the line to really look at at, uh, what's happening in terms of uh, African farming and just agriculture as a whole on the continent. And I also have uh, Isaac Homu, our producer of Spotlight Africa on the continent. Uh, in, in terms of uh, looking at uh, these issues, uh, Mr. Homu, uh, and, and highlighting some of the challenges here, small-scale farmers um, have been complaining that their interests are not being taken care of and that support for them has been wanting. Do you think that enough emphasis has been put in terms of small-scale farming okay that's a very good issue I mean to say that it's unfortunate that uh, small-scale farmers are not being looked after and it's dangerous because basically the African population or the African uh, the, the continent itself is made up basically of uh, peasants 80 mm. percent or 70 percent of Africans are rural and they're peasants and uh, the African agriculture itself apart from South Africa and uh, places like maybe Namibia, Zimbabwe, and other areas, maybe in Zambia, the peripheral areas of Zambia, uh, most of agri- uh, African agriculture is actually peasant-based. Mm. And nothing much, not much has been done to actually assist uh, peasant agriculture, as has been done in India and also in China. Mm. Mm. And maybe I want to bring in Simo and see if we have him on the line. I don't. I know we had struggles earlier on with our lines there, but Simo, if you've heard what uh, uh, Mr. Homi is highlighting there in terms of uh, uh, supporting <coughs> small-scale farmers, did this discussion come into play? How do we support them more and make sure that there's an emphasis in in, in, in helping them? Mm. Well, um, the the issues of the emerging farmers, um, and I, I will talk from a South African perspective, have been put um, on, 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 uh, on a spotlight um, in terms of, uh, one, from the policy perspective, as well as, two, in terms of uh, from governmental support. I think we're struggling with the line there. Someone just dropped their line. So we'll try reconnect with them. But uh, uh, you with me, Hent, at the home in the studio, what challenges persist for small-scale farmers right now currently on the continent? What are we facing there? And how do we empower them? Because we can talk about uh, policy initiatives, but what else can we do in, in order to actually translate those policies down to the ground? Okay. Now, basically, with any agriculture, yeah, the very important thing is inputs. Uh, you've got to actually look at the inputs, and inputs are very costly. And there's no way out. Land is not um, unlimited. Farmers cannot actually go and farm in different fresh areas. You've got to farm in the same areas. Therefore, you need inputs like fertilizer. Yeah, to actually revive the fertility of the soil, the nutrients. You need inputs like pesticides, yeah, and those are two very important I- inputs. But again, at the other end, you need the marketing uh, uh, infrastructure. You also need storage for perishables. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Now, those two things are very important. And basically, agriculture cannot take place without uh, the interaction of government through some way of subsidy and support. Mm. And when you talk of inputs, you are talking about, uh, let's look at fertilizer. Mm. Um, before the structural adjustment program, which took place in the 80s and 90s, uh, most African agriculture was heavily subsidized by the government. The government actually sort of uh, imported fertilizer. There was a government agency that imported fertilizer, and it made it available to the peasants at a subsidized rate. But one other thing which are invisible, uh, you find that with importation of fertilizer, you import it in bulk, you've got to store it. It's, uh, it, it's very sensitive to weather conditions, and you've got to distribute it. And that is massive. Mm. Yeah, and you've got all that has got to be done before the planting season or the rainy season. Now, you do need government intervention. Now, when the structural adjustment program came, we actually had to privatize this whole process Mm. of importation of fertilizer. And also the government had to get out of agriculture. So even the subsidies were removed. And you find that the first thing that happened, that peasants could not actually afford uh, the fertilizer. Mm. Yeah, And actually, uh, so they planted without fertilizer. And that's where the drop in African agricultural produce took place, whereby they said that uh, people said it was due to drought or whatnot. No, the main reason was due to the to lack of fertilizer. Mm. And again, at the other end, you find that in marketing, uh, the crops were subsidized. Now, with the marketing, the crops, especially the cash crops, they were really low. I mm. mean, to say that uh, that was also the result of uh, subsidy which was being given to European uh, mm. Producers, and it's much more complex than what than than what these people are looking at. But it actually affected the price, selling price of cotton. Mm. Like the cotton farmers right now are suffering. Mm. Uh, African cotton farmers because cotton is very cheap on the international market due to cheapness of American cotton, mm. due to American government subsidy of the American cotton farmers. Yeah. Now, I want to come back maybe to Sindisi uh, in terms of what we're talking about because you're a farmer yourself. In terms of looking at uh, these structures of subsidy programs that were phased out, I know that took place long ago in the 1980s, but uh, are we getting uh, subsidies in terms of from government support uh, to support African farmers or are you battling as a farmer, Sindisi uh, it, it, it's a challenge because at times we find a small hoard of farmers that there's just so many red tapes in terms of accessing finance because as my colleagues have just said, that it's a very high input, input uh, 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 endeavor, which is farming. It becomes very critical. That is why, together with my colleagues, we feel that it's very important for our, for our Department of Agriculture and all other stakeholders that are interested in making sure that people are food insecure to prioritize because there are so many farmers, but how many of them are serious in their jobs? So it's important for the agriculture to actually buy into this idea and actually promote those hardworking smallholder farm farmers so that the others can be can be a, 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 a interested in making sure that they, 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 they also produce to their to their optimal. But I also feel that it's important because there are so many stakeholders. These stakeholders, they do not have this agenda of making sure that every people are, are food insecure. Mm. I don't think that's an agenda that is being challenged. It's just spreading money in, 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 in a laser famine. I believe you, 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 you prioritize those who are hardworking, support them, make them 
really successful. Mm. We can even get those. I'm, I'm very interested in, in, in encouraging, especially women, women with, with disability in, 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 in agriculture. Mm. But the interest is there, but the support is trickling. Let us prioritize those farmers who are serious about food production and make them successful. So that, especially in this country, we are, we are struggling to get young South Africans into agriculture. Why? Because they are seeing some of us who've been in farming for the past nine years not really being successful as they would like us to see. And maybe I should bring that back to Seymour as well in terms of what you were talking about earlier on about uh, policies and and, and how those are being structured. Do you think these policies are are reaching down to the ordinary person uh, on the street or the ordinary farmer who's trying to really emerge and actually trying to connect with uh, the markets and have access to those markets and export opportunities? Yes, and... and, and, and that is where the, the, the challenge mostly lies um, because the, the, pol- the, the policy that is made on, on a high level uh, does not trickle down to the farmer on the ground. I'm on radio. Channel Africa. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, I just want to, if everyone on the line, let's not let's stay focused to this discussion. I don't want us to have other conversations outside of, of the conversation because it is a bit distracting. But you can carry on, Simo. As, as I was mentioning, that um, the greatest challenge that we have at the moment is that um, the, the policy that is made at, uh, in a, at the ministerial level and the presidential level, um, the challenge with that is that these policies do not reach the ground. And in fact, the people that are on the ground that are supposed to be assisting farmers are not adequately trained. And those are, the, are also some of the challenges that, uh, that we face, especially here, I think, in South Africa, we face the challenge that... Okay, we keep struggling with one particular line um, on the line there. So we're going to take a little break and uh, try reconnect with our uh, interviewees there. But you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. And uh, we are discussing the challenges and also the opportunities that exist in terms of farming. And we're crossing live. Maybe that's why we're having problems to the African Farmers Workshop and Expo. And uh, we're looking at what's happening there. And I think uh, we lost Elena Udina there the representative of Agrotech Ukraine. And we're going to take a little break and we'll be back right now. Okay, I think we have re-established connection there. Oh, we've lost connection again. Something is happening there on our lines there. But in terms of uh, the issues that Cindy Siwa is highlighting, um, Mr. Khomu, let's look at uh, another element that is also hampering growth in terms of what's happening in uh, uh, the farming industry is uh, the use of uh, GM foods. I know that uh, this has been an issue and uh, an issue of contestation and uh, the discussion of den- genetically modified crops has been ongoing. Uh, where are we when it comes to that particular discussion? I think genetically modified foods, GMOs, they are really the top end of a very bigger uh, problem. Hmm. The big problem is actually it's um, the it's actually the, 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 the role that... Um, the seed companies play, companies like Monsanto and everything else. You find that uh, right now most seeds, the hybrid seeds which are being used, whether they're GMOs 
or non-GMO or non-genetically modified seeds. Uh, these are seeds. Uh, these are products which are patented and owned by hu- these huge uh, seed companies, mm. and uh, they are not available to the ordinary peasant. And you find that with time, that these seeds they tend to monopolize or dominate the agricultural scenario. Mm. So you find that our indigenous seeds, they are actually getting lost. Now, in such a situation, uh, you find that you are actually at the mercy of these huge companies. And when it actually comes that some of these seeds are found to be unreliable, as happened in Tanzania with some of the hybrid seeds, they, were not, they could not handle a fluctuation in climatic fluctuation. Mm. People wanted to revert to the traditional seeds, which were better suited for those areas. The seed was nowhere to be found. Yeah, mm. and uh, that's another. Th- that's, uh, that's 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 a big thing. And uh, with these seeds, they're patented. You cannot handle them, and they've also got something that the, the GMO ones, which are called the terminator seeds, whereby with these seeds, once they are produced, you cannot use the produce as seed again. You've got to go back to these companies again. Uh, so that again, it actually ties the uh, peasants or the farmers to these big companies, mm. and which is a very dangerous thing. And there's a thing which has been looked into in countries like India and Brazil. Mm. Yeah. I think we might still have Cindy Sio on the line. Cindy Sio, are you still there? Yes, I'm still there. In terms of what uh, the home is highlighting there on, on our line, in terms of the impact of GM uh, crops, what is your view? Um, personally, with my nine years of experience, I still believe that we we, we, we still go, must go back to, to basics. Uh, our great-grandfathers were producing food and, and they were feeding the, the, their immediate family and, and all that. But I still believe, because there are so many cancers that we see today, so many diseases, that somebody needs to do some research. Because w- when we start talking about GMO and whatever and whatever, and there are companies which I've, I've been looking at uh, as an emerging farmer to say, I want people to eat what is good on their table. How can I make sure? And there are companies, like the company that I don't want to promote any company, Hecrotech, which has proved to me, because I look at the seed, I look at how, uh, where it's coming from, I look at how it's developed to, to help me grow to, to grow optimally in my farm. I still believe, so I do not want to get into a discussion of whether GMO or non-GMO or what what produce are we are, are, are we producing as, as emerging farmer? Can a, can, a, can a emerging farmer afford to make sure that looks after the seed until the seed grows into into producing into producing a good crop? For me, that's what matters. And and I'll, I'll be very sad because today when you look around, maybe I might be off topic right now, but the cancer that we see and the disease that we mm. see, I feel some some of us as farmers, we've got blood in our hands. Mm. Because if 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 you if you if you're using whatever seed, is it GMO, non-GMO, whatever fertilizer you are using, is it is it organic or unorganic or whatever, we need to go back and say. What what quality are we feeding the nation? Mm. And Cindy, I, I don't think you are off topic. I think you're speaking something that's very relevant. We need to understand what kind of crops we're using. And I think there has to be that translation of information in terms of understanding the crops themselves. It's very important. 
Mm. It's very important. Even my brother, even looking at just the issue of the quality of water that we're using. Remember South Africa. I'll talk about South Africa. South Africa is a it's a water scarce country. But you see, when you're on a rainy season, water is tricked out. Why are we not harvesting water and reusing that water so that we know that what comes from the heavens? We know because I'm a sustainable grower. I know the water that I harvest from my roofs and all my greenhouses is the best water than the water that I drill from under. Why not go back to those places that I'm talking about? Right, fantastic. I think we have also Simo back on the line. And uh, Simo, sorry, we're trying to reconnect with you. We're struggling with your line there. But uh, uh, we're about to wrap up the, the conversation. But I think we should come back to that issue you were trying to translate earlier on. I think we, we have to come back to that in terms of how do we make sure that that policy and that uh, organizational issues that are happening in terms of government ministries translates down to the ordinary farmer on the ground. And, 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 and Cindy, Sue is highlighting very essential information here, saying, do we know enough about GM crops? And do we understand more about these technologies that are being implemented by government? How do we actually make sure that the ordinary farmer understands these issues? Yeah. Um, as, as I was mentioning, um, is that the challenge that we're faced with is that... Um, the, the policies that are being uh, formulated on a ministerial level uh, as well as on a presidential level do not trickle down to the farmers on the ground. Now, there are structures that are put in place to do to address that issue. However, those structures are not functioning as well as they should. Um, so I would like to just pose, um, uh, put in a point here about uh, uh, one of the, the, the issues that was discussed at the uh, Agribusiness Summit, and that relates to smart farming as well as innovation in agriculture, especially the incorporation of technology into the sector. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we see it with other sectors how technology is improving the, the sector in terms of productivity as well as um, um, overall um, numbers or bottom line for companies involved. Um, and this definitely would be an issue of great benefit to the farmer because, one, the farmer can be able to benefit uh, from talking um, to on, on his farm while he um, interacts with uh, with an official who is placed in an urban environment. Um, that way, you know, the, the, the distance um, either party does not have to travel to, to the other. Um, by, sim- by the simple use of technology, now the, the extension officer or, or the person, the government official that sits at the office can be able to relay critical information for the farmer uh, and to address the farmers' challenges that they face on a daily basis. So that would be on that perspective, on a communications perspective, but also technology can also help, as my colleague has mentioned, uh, genetically modified um, um, food is that um, um, genetically modified seeds can be able to improve yield. Uh, now, obviously, there are some contestations around that issue, um, and we've, we've seen it a lot with the companies such as Monsanto that does that uh, on a worldwide scale. However, um, you know, in an African case, in an African context, we can see that uh, um, technology can be able to address those challenges um, and innovation, bringing innovation into the sector can be able to improve conditions that we face right now. Um, the farmers can improve their yields faster, and they can be, because of the issues of globalization, um, I mean, we, we see that uh, farmers in the U.S. are far more subsidized than farmers in South Africa. So how can the South African farmer um, get, get to the level to, of competing with the U.S. farmer? Um, and yeah. simply by that, by, in, in, by introducing innovation and technology, yeah. 
um, and, and innovation also refers to the processes in which they do things, not just the simple technology or the physical handheld technology, but in, in the way in which um, things or processes are being followed. And that is where, once again, research institutions come into play. How can the processes or the farmer in Africa um, improve his yield and uh, improve and be much more competitive on a global scale and innovation and technology into the sector can be able to address those issues. Mm. And uh, coming to you, Mr. Home, in terms of uh, moving forward, we've highlighted a lot of challenges, the red tape around getting uh, subsidies, also the issue of uh, understanding GM foods. But moving forward mm. as a continent, uh, Mr. Homo, how do we move forward and make sure that we support uh, small-scale farmers on the continent? Because I think that's where we'll see growth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing first before I answer that, let me say one thing. It's not. It's a myth saying that um, small farmers are not uh, effective or they're not uh, productive. Uh, one thing, if you look at the uh, uh, cane growers, uh, right now, the big companies, they are actually using outgrows, and these outgrows for producing cane, they're normally small-scale farmers. This is happening in Mpumalanga. And the farmer, the cane, the companies have uh, realized that the small-scale outgrows, they are more efficient. Their output per acre is much more than the big plantations. Yeah, and that's because they can give their crop much more attention. And that's also seen with the small coffee growers of Tanzania and also Kenya. They're much more efficient than the huge estates. But now to come to the way forward, basically when I'm talking about the African uh, context, not the South African context, basically African countries have got to make agriculture as being their primary industry. That has got to be done, and whatever it is, they've got to spend a lot of their um, inputs as far as finance is concerned into agriculture. And from there, other industries are going to grow up. That happened in India in the 60s, where India, after independence in 47, they went on a haphazard industrialization scheme. And when the big drought came in the early 60s, a lot of Indians died. But the Indians came back and they replanned their whole uh, industrialization scheme, uh, development scheme, and they said they've got to concentrate on agriculture. And with that, they brought in a lot of uh, agrarian reforms. And uh, they actually put in very many structures uh, the, to actually assist and to make peasant-based agriculture possible. And that was how, and that's how Africa has got to go forward. The extension services, the agricultural banks, and the marketing facilities. Fantastic. Cindy Silva, how do we move forward? As a farmer yourself, you are on the ground. We could speak as experts about this, but I think you are the most important voice in this uh, conversation. How do we move forward from here? Um, as, uh, as it's been highlighted, I feel, one, it starts with government. It filters down to the extension services to make sure that they also understand what they are advising to the farmers and also to encourage the farmers like myself and the others who are hardworking to say let's produce so that we can encourage upcoming ones to, 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 to take uh, agriculture as, as, as a career and also take it serious. So, um, and all the, the, the interested parties, uh, 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 private sector, private sector should also be very strategic in how they support the farmers. 
Fantastic. Uh, thank you so much to Cindy Siwe Sabela, who is a farmer who's taking part at the African Farmers Workshop and Expo, as well as Simo Vilagazi, who's the organizer, uh, the organizer of the expo. And I want to thank uh, Isaac Holm, who's a producer here at Channel Africa for a program titled Spotlight Africa. We lost Elena Udina, uh, the representative of Agro, Agrotech, and I wanted to find out more about the new technologies that were taking place, but it sounded like she was very busy there in the back. So we had to let her go during this particular program. But I thank you all for joining us here on our program. Thank you so much. Fantastic. But I want to pose this question to you too. Is enough done to empower the African farmer? Do you think enough is done to empower the African farmer? Let us know your thoughts. SMS us on plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five and interact with us via a Twitter. Twitter handles at Channel Africa One. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja. Informing the world about Africa, Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Well, that's how we wrap up the program today. But remember, we want to hear from you. Is enough done to empower the African farmer? We highlighted some of the challenges that African farmers are facing in terms of support, getting subsidies, in terms of also GM crops and the understanding of GM crops as well. But there are other issues as well as climate change is taking place and global warming is also changing the environment in which farmers are working in. Is enough being done to empower the African farmer? Let us know your thoughts. Plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five. Remember, African Dialogue comes to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time. So today is the last program for this week, but we'll be back with you on Monday. Interact with us via our Twitter handle at Channel Africa One or at African Dialogue. But I'm going to leave you with this proverb again. I'm doing these proverbs things and I think they're pretty cool. So I'm going to end with this proverb for the day and I think it goes with this topic of today it says knowledge is like a garden if it is not cultivated it cannot be harvested Uh, my technical producer is shaking his head i think he agrees with me i agree with this proverb it's an african proverb anyway and you know africans we are wise so until next week monday god bless Let me be your